God, I thank you for using our musicians and Wayne to speak to our hearts and to honor you. God, in the next few minutes, may our minds be uncluttered, our hearts open. May we hear what you have to say to us. God, undoubtedly in this room, there are people who need to be saved. There are Christians who need to make a radical move back to you. Many who need encouraged. And and Holy Spirit, we ask you to work in that. And to do that in, in whatever needs to happen in each heart, that it'll happen this hour. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Okay, last week we talked about a certain type of mammal, which was a a skunk. And this morning we are going to talk a little bit more about dealing with skunks. About 15 years ago, a friend of mine in Navasota, Texas, Navasota's near College Station, told me a story about a skunk under his trailer. Now, I don't know if you've ever lived in a trailer, but every trailer I've ever seen is up on blocks, which means that between the ground and the trailer, there is some room. And even if you have siding, if you're not careful, varmints can get up under the trailer. And he found a skunk under his trailer living. And to make matters worse, the skunk had baby skunks. It had a litter of skunkettes, or whatever they're technically called. And I asked him, I said, well, did you just get your shotgun and shoot up under there? And he said, no, you idiot. That would have destroyed plumbing. and You can't just shoot up under the trailer. I said, well, what'd you do? He said, well, I couldn't just kill it because a lot of times when a skunk dies, what does it do? It releases its, uh, what it's most famous for, its noxious odor. So he trapped the skunk. This is like Daniel Boone's story. He traps it. He drags it 50 yards from his house, and then he kills it. He, of course, he says, I killed it downwind, and, of course, the skunk released its, uh, its fumes. Then he goes, and he was nice enough to get all the little baby skunks and distribute them in someone else's woods far from his home, which was greatly appreciated. But, you know, if you found a skunk living in your garage today, you better handle it properly, Correct? If you don't, you will be handling or dealing with it for a long time uh, to come. Well, in Nehemiah chapter 6 today, we're getting to the, uh, the victory part of the story next Sunday. I mean, we're almost there. But Nehemiah, remember, he's a guy that lived about 645 years before Jesus Christ, and he's got this great vision from God to go back to his home country of Judah to their capital city of Jerusalem, and rebuild the city wall, which has been down 140 years. City wall is protection. You can't even have a house or a business inside a city in this day and age without a city wall because it could be ran over or destroyed by the enemy quickly. So he has this great vision, and he's doing this great work, but man, is he getting hammered. Man, is he getting pressured. Man, is he having problems. And what I tried to tell you last week, and we're going to talk about again this week, is that when you decide, you're going to do something great. When you decide, you and your family, you and your wife, you and your kids, you personally, you're going to take your spiritual life to the next level. You're going to make a commitment for God. You're going to 
do some things in your business, your professional life, school, your career that are going to be different, exciting, and radical, you need to know that it is going to be tough and that skunks, human skunks, which all of us can be, will come out of the woodwork to discourage you and try to uh, push down your dreams and your hopes. But Nehemiah shows us what we need to do. These are, these are great things for just life in general. How do you find success in life, especially when things are going tough? Here's the first word this morning or the first concept. You ask yourself, am I doing the right thing? It's introspection. Am I doing truly what God would have me to be doing? In chapter 6, verse 1 through 8, it says, when the word came to Sambalah, Tobiah, and Geshem, remember these are the kind of the three stooges or the trinity of skunks, the Arab and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sambalah and Geshem sent me this message, come let us meet together in one of the villages on the plains of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave and go down to you? Verse 4, it says four times they sent the same message and four times he replied the same way. Verse 5, then the fifth time Sambalah sent his aides to me with a message and in his hand was an unsealed letter. Now, that's going to be important in a moment. In which was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem. They say it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king. And you have even been appointing prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There's a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king of Persia, and then trouble is going to happen and befall on all of us. In verse 8, he says, I sent him this reply, nothing like what you were saying is happening. You are making all this stuff up. Okay, here's what's going on again. Nehemiah's doing this great project. He's working hard. It's going to be great. It's of God. And, you know, when you start doing something, you make some changes. You try to do something different and better with your life. Your first thought is, is that people, especially people you think are good people, church people, religious people, family are going to be excited and they're going to be on board with you all the way. The truth is that is just absolutely not the truth. You notice in verse 3, they tried to get him to come down and go out to the plains of Ono for a conference. They were trying to distract him. You ever notice when you, when you start trying to do something positive, how the distractions come in? You decide you're going to start studying more. That's a good decision to make, especially around test time. You decide you're going to start trying to eat better and to live better. Distractions will come out of the blue when you make those decisions. Also said in verse 8 that a unsealed letter showed up in Jerusalem from Sambalah, the governor, saying basically that, hey, Nehemiah, you are committing treason. You're going to make yourself king. You're appointing prophets. Now, an unsealed letter, in this day and age, when a, when a leader, which Sambalah was a leader, sent another leader a letter, they, they always sealed it. 
They may have written it on, on leather, literally. They'd roll it up. They would tie a string to it. And they would put their official seal. We have actually, archaeologists have found seals that date back to Nehemiah's day with Sambalah, governor of Samaria, on it. The seal made it official. The seal said it was who it was from. The seal also sealed the document so you could say it hadn't been tampered with. And so by him sending an unsealed document, he's basically saying anybody and everybody can read this. He was slandering him. It's kind of like the prayer request. I use this in the early service where you say, well, let's pray for Brother Wayne. I don't know what's going on with him and Stacy, but she had a black eye last week, and I just don't know what's going on. You know what? At that point, it's not a prayer request concern, is it? It is Gossip City uh, at that point. Then you start looking at Wayne's knuckles to see if he's uh, doing something horrible. That's basically what they were doing. They were slandering him. And I wonder how many times Nehemiah, at night when he was by himself, sat down and said to himself, man... Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Do those doubts ever creep in with you? Do you know what? He was able to get up and he was able to say, I'm doing the right thing. I want to challenge you this morning to look inside of yourself. Introspection. Someone said the worst deceit is self-deceit. I believe that's true. We oftentimes don't see ourselves really as we are. And to look hard, am I really going down the right path? Am I really taking the, the right trail? Am I truly doing what God wants me to do? Am I not just angry and upset and or whatever? Am I really doing what God wants me to do? See, here's two things that are going to happen. One is you're going to say, no, I'm not. I need to repent. I need to apologize to some people. I need to go a different track. Or you're going to be able to say, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm going down the right path. Self-doubt is going to be really common for people who are trying to take life to the next level. But look within. No doubt Nehemiah did this. He said in verse 3, he said, I can't come down because we are doing a great work. Look within. Make sure that you're on the right path. If you're on the wrong path, switch paths. But introspection is very, very important. See, sometimes we're suffering, we're taking hits, we're taking abuse, and we should be because we're just dumb and we're off course and we're heading the wrong direction. Sometimes you're like Nehemiah. You take the hits and the abuse because you're on the right course. Introspection. Here's the second thing that's so important to all of life, and certainly as you attempt to build those walls, be spiritually strong. Be spiritually stout. In other words, as you, as you decide in life that you want to take your life to the next level, you want to be who God wants you to be. You want to take that wall or build that wall. Spiritual strength is absolutely crucial uh, to this happening. In verses 9 through 14, it says, They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But look what he did. But I prayed to God, now strengthen my hands. I don't think, I think his prayer was much longer than that. He's just summing up what he prayed. And then he says, One day I went to the house of Shemaliah, son of Deoliah, why, again, why can this be Fred and Betty? I don't know. 
the son of Mehabedal, who was shut in at home. Let us meet the house of God inside the temple. And let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you by night. They are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I won't go. I realized that God had not sent this person, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalah had hired him. He was a hit prophet, basically. He had been hired to intimidate me so I would commit a sin by doing this and that they would give me a bad name to discredit me. God, remember Tobiah and Sambalah, oh my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophetess, the female prophet, Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to intimidate me. Okay, here's what's going on here. He gets a message that this prophet with a funny name, Shemaiah, Wants to see you. He's, he's housebound. Now, was he sick? We don't know for sure what was going on. But apparently, Nehemiah trusted him enough to go to his house. And he goes to his house and he says, look, man. Basically, he's saying, God has told me. Boy, the, listen, don't go around saying God's told you something unless he really, 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 really has. Because in the Old Testament, the punishment for that was they killed you. They stoned you to death. They beat you to death with rocks. It's a serious thing to do that. But he's saying, basically, God told me we need to go to the temple. Now, he said it's inside of the temple. What he, he wasn't saying we just need to go to the church. He was saying we need to go inside the holy, uh, holy place a place only that the priests were allowed. Now, we're not Jewish people. I don't think any of us are. may not make sense. It was a big deal to them. The temple had several different areas, and the holy place inside of the temple, Nehemiah couldn't go in there because he was a non-priest. To do so would have been discrediting to God. It would have been sinful. He would have been punished. And you know what? It almost seems like he paused and he thought for a second. And then he knew because his spiritual strength, his understanding of God and his word was strong enough. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. If I do this, this is sin. This is wrong. And then he got back to praying again. Listen, I want to challenge you. Obviously, this is true for anything that has to do with living for God. But as you attempt to build the walls and to become that person God wants you to be, spiritual strength is absolutely crucial. One of the things you see over and over and over in this Nehemiah story is you see a man who prayed and prayed and prayed. He prayed before he got started. He prayed while the fight was going on, and he prayed after it was finished. Someone said prayer does not just prepare you for the greatest work. Prayer is the greatest work. And another great quote I, I like is that you can do a lot more than pray after you've prayed. Did you get that? But you really can't do significant things until you have prayed. How much do you pray? I mean, really, how much do you get alone and do serious business with God? This great guy who made a huge difference in his world, one of the things that kept him strong was his spiritual strength and his prayer life. Recently, there was a group of amateur mountain climbers in Switzerland. They were in the Alps near the Matterhorn up there. That's beautiful, but I don't know if I'd want to be climbing up there. And while they're, they're climbing, a strong gust of wind comes 
barreling down on them. And the God, a very experienced God, tells him quickly, drop to your knees. Get on your knees. And he says, because the only place you're going to be safe when this wind comes in is on your knees. You know, isn't that a great parallel for life? The safest place is on our knees, whether that's literally or whether that's figuratively bowed in our heart. But the safest and strongest place for you and me as a husband, as a wife, as a student, as an athlete, in our businesses, in our community, is being people who are spiritually strong. Here's a third thing. Man, stay busy doing the right things. Stay busy doing the right things. Verse 2 and 3. Sambalon and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project, and I can't go down. Why should the work stop while I mess with you clowns? That's my paraphrase there. Let me show you on a map where Jerusalem was, there is, there's Jerusalem right there. That's where Nehemiah was. The plains of Ono are over here in the westernmost part of Judah at this time, near Joppa. About 47 miles. Now, traveling by foot, normally a, a trip like that would have taken about two days of, two to three days of pretty good traveling. It would have had to have been men only, Correct. I mean, with women, we'd had to stop at every, you know, sandbar or whatever. Teasing ladies. But, but they travel about 20 miles a day, so you figure that's two and a half days of traveling. Man, that, that's pretty inconvenient, isn't it? But I love what he says. You guys are wanting to piddle around and distract me and get me off mission. I got too much to do than to mess with you. Again, I touched on this a moment ago, but anytime you start trying to do something that's worthwhile, that matters, distractions are going to come out of the wazoo. They're going to come out of everywhere. One thing that will keep us on track is to stay on track. Stay busy doing the things that God wants you to do and that you need to do. Stay busy being the the employee or the boss or the husband or the wife or the parent or the student or the business person. Stay busy doing the right things. It's an interesting thing in life. It seems like the people who create the most problems have the most spare time. Be busy about the right things. That's one thing Nehemiah clearly showed us, and it's such a profound yet simple thing to see. And by the way, it's always harder to hit a moving target. Have you noticed that? Stay busy about the right things. Here's a fourth thing that's so key, and that's fellowship with the right folks. That's being tied in with the right people. Listen, Nehemiah was getting hammered. He was hearing junk. He was getting discouragement from every uh, front, back, and behind. But Nehemiah's circle of friends and the people that he was tied into there were strong people who helped him and lifted him up. In in Pennsylvania, uh, a week ago, true story, a couple 
let their dog go out in their backyard, and they left their door open. How many of you do that occasionally? You leave a door open. And the dog came back in a few minutes later being chased by a black bear. Can you imagine that? So the husband is doing whatever husbands do at that time, and he hears commotion and his wife screaming, and he goes in there, and his wife and the black bear and the dog are fighting. Well, he's a great husband. So he attacks the black bear. And then the black bear begins to uh, maul him. And then the wife jumps on the black bear. So he and the wife and the dog are fighting the black bear. And for some reason, the black bear finally leaves. They say the house was completely destroyed. The husband and wife are going to be fine, uh, pretty scarred up and scratched up. The 10-year-old son slept through it all. (laughs) True. That's riddling working, correct? (laughs) There's no ADD in that boy. You know, that's a great story for a thousand reasons, as long as it happens to somebody else. But one of the primary truths is, is is both of them would have been killed without the other one. The bear would have killed her if her husband hadn't have come in. The bear would have killed him if his wife hadn't helped him. And, you know, so many times in life, it seems like we're wrestling the symbolic bear out there. And we need help. And other people need you. And one of the greatest things you and I can give each other is love and encouragement and and true friendship. Probably 90% of the people in here, you have Facebook. Facebook's a great thing. It can be a bad thing, but it's it's got a lot of great qualities. Guy in New York City had 700 friends. It was his birthday. He decided to invite all of his friends down to a local pub. He invites 700 people. He gets about 200s, we can't come, about 200 maybes, about 100 people said yes. The other didn't respond. Guess how many showed up that night? Zero. Facebook friends, that's, that's fine. But you know what? We need life and flesh friends, don't we? There was an old AT&T phone commercial, reach out and touch somebody. We need people that we can touch, that, that we can be involved in and interact with in our lives. One of the things that kept Nehemiah going was that he had people with him during the battle. And here's the last thing, and that's determination. That's just flat-out dogged determination. You know, as, as I've read this story, and I would encourage you, I would encourage you, sometime when you you have a little time, read chapters 1 through 7. And and it's amazing that the walls of Jerusalem were down for 140 years. 140 years. People had tried to rebuild them. They couldn't. Nehemiah had terrible, terrible opposition. He had a tremendously hard task with unskilled, basically unskilled labor. Yet within two months, he got that wall rebuilt. And as I looked at that story, and, and I, what did it come down to? Well, he had to know he was doing the right thing, introspection. He had to be spiritually strong. He had to have the right people around him. He had to stay busy when the skunks were trying to distract him. But it also finally came down that he had to plant his heels and say, this is what God wants, it's right, and I'm absolutely going to do it. 
You know what's going to separate in here? What's going to be the biggest difference and whether the walls get built or not in your life is determination. In chapter 6, verse 3, I, I, I really think when Nehemiah said this, we, we can't get it in the writing, but I think there was passion. I sent messengers to them to tell them, I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot come down. I've got to keep on keeping on. What do you want to accomplish? Nothing? Well, then sleep for five more minutes and we'll give the invitation. What do you want to do with your life, with your your marriage, with your family? You know, it's probably going to come down to whether you are willing to plant your heels and say, I'm going to do this. In Chicago, a man was out shoveling snow off of his driveway one afternoon, which is something we don't have to do down here very often. And some boys came up to him when he was about half finished, and they said, Sir, can we finish your driveway for $25? He said, I'm half done. Why would you ask now? And the boys said something very profound. They said, that's when most people quit when they're half done. I wonder how many half walls are built out here today. How many of us have something in our lives that's almost done, but we just never got back to it? Or that we're going to get to someday, but we've never got to it yet? And it's not going to get done until we plant our heels and we say, this is what God wants to do, and I'm not going to quit until it's done. True story, a man in India dug a passageway through a, hammer, uh, through a mountain with a hammer and chisel. Through, through a mountain. Man lived in an area, a rural part of India, where for, from his village to get to where there was food and supplies, there was a two-and-a-half-mile trip to the food and supplies around the mountain, two-and-a-half-mile back. It was five miles round trip. Been doing it his whole life. And he said, you know, I'm tired of this. I, I'm going to do something about it. He got a hammer and he got a chisel, and he spent 14 years, and he dug his way through that mountain, 33 feet long and 13 feet wide. And someone asked him, how did you do it? He said, I just kept hitting the hammer, hitting the hammer. 14 years. And he was inspired by another man in India who did the same thing because his wife in another village died because they couldn't get medical treatment to her in time. You see, this is where we separate most of the time. Because this doesn't sound spiritual. It's certainly not always exciting. But when you dig your heels and you say, this is what God wants me to do. With His help and His power, I'm going to do it. A man named Ray Edmond made a great statement. He said, when you know God's, God's in it, when you know God's told you to do it, when you know it's of God, it's always, always, always too soon to quit. Nehemiah was getting verbally slaughtered, physically threatened, tough, 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 but he dug his heels in and he said it's going to happen. Termination. 
What about us? Let's pray. If you're a Christian this morning, I would just ask you to, to open your heart to what God's saying. Open your heart to what God is, is calling you to and calling you to do. If you're not a Christian, I want to invite you right where you're seated to pray with me to give your life to Christ. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I believe you're the Son of God who died and who arose for me. And I'm asking you this morning to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Let me have your attention just for a second. Just a second, I'm going to ask you to stand and just bow your heads and to respond to what God has said to you this morning. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your life. Or or maybe you're ready to do that. We're going to have ministers down front. We would love to help you with that decision. Maybe you're here today and you would like to join our church family. One way you can do that is by coming in a moment, talking to a minister, letting us help you with that. Maybe as a Christian, there's things that God has said to you today. There needs to be some repentance and some change maybe as a Christian God's spoken to you about one of these areas where you need to focus on whether it's praying more just digging your heels in with determination let's stand and as God leads you respond to him this morning